Shabbat Shalom, everyone. So we've been through a long, uh, a long holiday season. Uh, but even as it draws to a close, we still have one more duty to perform. Which really, it doesn't signify the end of things, really, but rather a new beginning. So on Monday night, we'll be celebrating Simcha's Torah. The joy of the Torah, Simchat being joy. Uh, celebrating the end of the old reading cycle and the beginning of the new one. The reading of the Torah never ends. And so, even as we read the end, we read the beginning all over again. This week's uh, Torah portion, the one that's read during the week, not the one that's read for the holidays' sake, which is the one we read today, is called Vezot uh, Habercha. These are the blessings which Moses gave to the children of Israel as they were awaiting, his, uh, awaiting the time to cross over. Our Torah teaches us that Moses died on the day of that last address. When the address was completed, God sent him up that mountain to look at the land of Israel, and after that, he buried him. He passed into the world to come. All happening in a single day, so the book of Deuteronomy doesn't take very long. But in that speech, that final speech, in the Zod HaBerecha, Moses says something really important that I want to share with you about why we should bother with Simcha's Torah, because after all, Simcha's Torah is not demanded in the Torah scripture per se, right? There's no, we are told we have to celebrate Rosh Hashanah by God. We're told we have to celebrate uh, Yom Kippur. We're told we have to celebrate um, uh, Sukkot. We're told we have to celebrate Hoshana Rabbah. Now there's no commandment that says, okay, after that you will do Simcha's Torah. But I want to tell you why I think it's as important as those other days that we do celebrate. So Moses, speaking to the children of Israel in this final set of blessings in chapter 33 of Deuteronomy, he says, Moshe Morasha Kehila Yaakov. And this means the, and I'm translating this from, taking the translation from the stone edition of the Chumash. It's the Jewish, official sort of Jewish translation. So the Torah that Moses commanded us is the heritage of the congregation of Jacob. Morashah means inheritance in this case. Your translation may translate it somewhat differently. But Morashah is that which we take hold of as an inheritance we, we, we receive. But you don't receive it unless you take it. It's sort of like any one of you, your parents could leave you something, a great treasure. But if you don't take it, you know, all it does is sit there. It's the same thing with the heritage that has been given to the Jewish people in Torah. It, so that word, Morashah, means something very special. 
it means that there's a special relationship which the Jewish people have to the, to the scripture. And this is something we need to realize. Hey, it's cool. Everybody should read the, read the, the Bible. Everybody should get it, something out of it. Everybody should follow its precepts. But there is something special about what the Torah means to the Jewish people. It has constructed our way of life. It has shaped our existence for thousands upon thousands of years. And as the Torah speaks to us here, it is morasha to us. A heritage. I don't know about you, but you know, I, have, I have three kids. And if you're, you know, a typical parent in America, we don't only live for ourselves. We, we, we live to a certain extent for our children. We want to make sure that they have their, their futures are secured, don't we? So we save up money and we send them off to school. And God willing, if we've saved a few shekels along the way, uh, maybe we can give them something uh, as an inheritance from us to them, a legacy, something that carries over, that they'll remember us by, that they can build on themselves. That's what the hope is. As you give those things to your kids, they build upon them and grow them, hopefully. And hopefully it will carry, they, will, they will be carryover from generation to generation. So in this sense, the Torah is the same for us as the Jewish people. It has been our responsibility not only to have received it from God at Sinai, but as a heritage to be its transmitters in this world from generation to generation down to the present day. We have to keep it alive. And in a world that grows exceedingly darker all the time, it becomes more and more difficult to keep the legacy alive. And yet it is our responsibility because God gave it to us. He didn't give it to the nations. He gave it to us as a heritage. And if we ignore it, it will be ignored. You know, I'm a student of the whole schmear, you know, of the whole of the, what people call the sacred scriptures. And I can tell you that I have met so many people who call themselves Bible experts who know nothing of the Torah. They ignore it. They wouldn't, they wouldn't be able to tell you the order of the books. In fact, the Christian Bible has the books out of order. For whatever reason. Everybody has their own way of putting stuff together, I guess. But something as simple as that. How will we keep it unless we treasure it like a heritage? A morashah. Something that we have to possess and take care of. Because if we don't do it, who will? When the children of Israel received the Torah, this is back in the book of Exodus chapter 19 we were all around the mountain Moses came down with the with the first set of tablets well let's see he came down the first time after his first 40 day uh, period with God and he presented the Torah the Ten Commandments and the other uh, mitzvot to the children of Israel and this is what we said in Exodus 24 verse 7 we said call asher diber aronai naaseh v'mishma we all said that. You said that. You don't know that you said that, but you did. If you're a Jew, you, you said that because we were all there. 
at the mountain. What does it mean? It says, all the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will listen. And I translated this myself after doing some work. I said it this way, all the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will make every ever effort to understand. Every effort to understand. That's how I translate the word, benishma. Now comes the, the root of that word is Shema. You know that. Shema Yisrael Adonai It means to hear. But have you ever been talking to somebody, right, and they're explaining this whole thing to you and, they, and you say to them, I hear you. Does it just mean that the words fell on your ears? No. What you're trying to convey to them is that you understand what they said. Isn't that right? Well, that means that the Torah is something that we need not only hear, but we need to understand. We need to do the best we can by understanding it. And that doesn't just come by a casual reading of the text. You notice how it, how it says, Na'aseh venishma. You know, rabbis have a lot to say about this. Why do you say, we will do it, and we will understand it. Why not say we'll try to understand it first and then we'll do it, right? That seems to make more sense. Make more sense to you? First you want to understand the instructions before you do them. Well, the answer is this, that first we do what God says. We don't ask him why. He'll, there's a reason why. We believe in that reason and we'll find out what that reason is as we make every effort to understand so we do it first. I was talking to a friend, uh, not uh, a doctor friend of mine, and uh, I said, yeah, uh, you know, there are different kinds of commandments. And chukot is a particular, a chok is a particular kind of command. I'll give you an, answer, a, a, an example. Um, the red heifer, you know. If you've ever read the instructions for the red heifer, it doesn't make any sense at all. Not to me, anyway. Find a particular kind of cow if you even can. Burn it. Anyone who burns it makes it unclean. But then you use the things to clean things. Make them clean. How does something that's unclean make it clean? I don't know. I don't know. We can come up with all kinds of explanations. Why God said so. That's right. Then we can use our imagination to try to figure out what it is on God's mind that makes him do something like that. Even the kosher laws, they're not, they make no sense, really. Not, you know, there's no health issues involved here, ladies and gentlemen. God decided some animals are clean and some are unclean. Some are fit to eat and some are not. And that's it. That's the full and complete explanation. We can figure it out in the world to come why some animals we shouldn't eat and some we should. Maybe what God's saying, don't eat any at all. Na'aseh venishma. We will make every effort to understand. In the, in the uh, Talmud, Rabbi Simla lectured us saying, when the Israelites gave precedence to we will do over, we will hearken, 600,000 ministering angels came and set two crowns upon each man of Israel. One as a reward for we will do it, and the other as reward for we will hearken. 
Again, this is all because the Torah is our unique responsibility. For those of you who are not Jewish, you come here often. That we have a per, the first person to read from the Torah each week is a Jewish person. You know why? It's to signify this unique relationship that we have with Torah that other people from the nations do not. It's not that you don't love God, you don't love the Torah, that God doesn't love you. It's about this unique responsibility for its guardianship. And you just need to understand that. So here, as we do the commandments of God, it's, uh, it's our duty as guardians of the Torah to make every effort every effort we can to understand the word. And it becomes our lifelong vocation for everyone. How will we pass it on to our children if we don't know it? I often wonder about this. How, how is it possible to give to our legacy that which we do not have? So you have to ask yourself, you have to really test your own heart and your own mind. Do you know enough to pass something on to somebody else? A friend of mine once said, uh, you know, to make a disciple, a disciple is a person who can make a disciple who can make a disciple. In other words, if we cannot pass our legacy on from one generation to the next, we will lose our inheritance. There's a saying among the Jewish people, you know you're Jewish if you have Jewish grandchildren. Then you did your job because you passed it on to your kids in a way that they could pass it on to theirs. It's a great responsibility and one which we have to take seriously because it is the unique inheritance of the Jewish people. We are its guardians. We want to share it with everyone but it is still remains our responsibility, a responsibility we cannot pass off to others. We also read the Torah again and again. I always love the Sivka Torah for this reason, that we read the last few verses of Deuteronomy and then take, oh gosh, it takes us half an hour to roll the scroll all the way back to the beginning to read the first few verses of Bereshit, or Genesis, right? Because the, the tale of Torah is a never-ending song, as I like to say. It never ends. And we do it because every time we read it again, year after year, we find something else in it. Again, from Perkei Avot in uh, the Mishnah, it says, Ben Bagbag said, turn it over and over again, for all is therein. And look into it and become gray and old therein. Neither move thou away from therefrom, for in it you have no better standard of conduct. Keep turning it over and over and over because you're going to find something new in it every single time. Why? Because the words are different? Maybe but certainly you are different every time you come to the text. And so we turn it over and over and over to find God speaking to us anew in it. So why the Jewish people? Why not somebody else? 
There are different accounts regarding God's offering of the Torah to Israel. Some say that from the time of creation until Israel went out from Egypt, God went around offering the Torah to every nation under the earth. They all refused to accept it. And that's only after that did God offer it to Israel. They were the smallest of all, right? Others say that God created the world with a stipulation. If Israel accepts the Torah when it is offered to them, all of creation will continue to exist. Otherwise, I'll return the world to chaos and void. No pressure. So when the children of Israel had gathered at Mount Sinai and they took their places at the foot of the mountain, God overturned the mountain like an inverted barrel and held it above their heads. And he said, if you accept the Torah, all will be well. If not, you'll be buried right here. And that's when Israel declared its willingness to accept the Torah. I guess if you have a mountain hanging over your head, what choice do you have? I know, that's disturbing. That's a kind of a disturbing, odd kind of, you know, visual there. Not quite sure it happened that way. But I think the story indicates an important truth, really. And that is that Israel's role in the Torah and in its keeping is essential. That there is an essential nature to it, that God has tied his word to his people in a unique and mystical way. And that Israel is bound up in it, whether we want to or not, whether we care about it or not. It's ours, and the world depends on it. Friends, let me explain something to you, and this is, I am certain of this, that if the Jewish people had not preserved the, the, the Torah, the Hebrew Scriptures, there would not be any now. It would be buried under a rock somewhere, and no one would even know of its existence. Even if Christianity did thrive thereafter, they would have thrived in some weird and odd way with the story beginning with the birth of Yeshua. Which would have had no context at all. We have a unique place in the plan of God, which is tied to his word. So the people and the word are tied together. We will always be. We're called the people of the book. And there's a reason for that, too. I think that's prophetic as well. Not only because we have a book, because there are lots of other people who have books, aren't there? Lots of other traditions have books of their own. But we are the people of the book. The one who are entrusted with keeping the word of God alive. But how can we know this Torah? It's such a responsibility. We have a mountain hanging over our heads. This seems impossible. How can we do this? You know, it's been a long tradition of our people to study the word. And people, and many in the Jewish faith, have made a vocation of it indeed. Live their lives studying the word. Sometimes such, to such a minute detail that it just drives, you know, drives what little hair is in your head out. Take it from me. And yet there's 
And yet, it's all been to the end that we should do make every effort to understand it. But it's hard. Because look, this is just, uh, this is the Bible. We consider this the most sacred of all. And it's, this one is, uh, I don't know, a couple thousand pages long. <clears throat> Lots of words in it. 300,000 words in Torah alone. I'm talking about the five books of Moses now. How can we know this? So there's a legend that's known about the, about the Torah. And this one involves someone known as the prince of the Torah. And the legend says that because students know that it takes a lifetime to master all the mysteries of Torah, that it's an almost impossible task. I mean, after all, you've got to make a living, you've got you to breathe, you know, you've got to have fun sometime. To sit and pour over the text endlessly is an impossible thing. So in the text of, uh, of a medieval book called Tsar HaTorah, which is Prince of the Torah, this legend comes from, uh, uh, <coughs> where this legend comes from, God says, I know what you want. You crave my many secrets. And normally it takes a lifetime of study to master the extensive traditions linked to the Torah. But through the miracle of the secret of the Prince of Torah, it becomes possible to master this intricate study in a single sitting. Now imagine that. To be able to sit with the Prince of Torah and he, had, and he teaches you everything you need to know all in one sitting. Ah, Good. I, would, I didn't have to go to school for 82 years. Well, that may not be true. I mean, that may just be a legend. But I'll tell you something. I know something our Messiah Yeshua, who is the living Torah. He is the living Torah. He is Tsar HaTorah. He had these words to say from the Gospel of John. He said, You search the Scripture because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me. And you're unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. The answer, my friends, is not only the Torah itself, but the living Torah himself. So as we go through the pages of Torah and we repeat them year after year, as we treasure them, you know, if you ever want a really good lesson in it all, turn to Psalm 119 and read through it for yourself. It's the longest psalm in the whole book. And in it, we have a summary of all that the Torah means. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven, in heaven. Your faithfulness continues throughout all generations. You establish the earth and it stands. For all these reasons, we have to remember our inheritance, our Morsha. 
And remember that Messiah Yeshua completes that inheritance in himself. So together, let's celebrate the word. So on Monday night, when we turn the pages of Torah back to the beginning, start again. May we remember that we must come to the Messiah Yeshua, who is the word of life. Amen.